Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Cointel 2.0 podcast. This is another podcast. I don't think it's going to be a field note. It's less to deal with stuff that uh, I encounter in the field. But this is going to be a podcast. And we're today we're going to talk about psychological profiles and how they're used, how they're used on you, uh, etc. But let's first... I hate to go nuclear on a topic right away i I like to ease people into it because i want to let you know that there are everyday applications of this that you see every day that you don't even realize and it's nice to know that it's like a common thing and not always like i i hate when i explain topics in this it always seems so far-fetched like we got to get into like cointelpro world to believe this shit but a lot of the stuff that I talk about in this these podcast series, I want to to highlight that it's it's and I keep using this metaphor because I think it's really the perfect way to explain it. It was handed to me when I was making this. Somebody was like, "Hey, you should probably explain it this way." I was like, "Oh, that's fucking fantastic!" So thanks for the person whoever gave me that idea. Whatever you know, one of my numerous muses, uh, and I do have muses. I am not a I am not a body of myself. I am a series of experiences, and uh, I can never claim um, this is all me. Even though I'm kind of like an independent operation, I have muses. I have people who have helped me along the way. I've had some actual industry people uh, in the intel industry help me along the way. And um, I never want you to think that I'm an expert or know what the fuck, uh, or not know what the fuck, but never or got here. Uh, to be able to explain these things to you on my own doing, someone kind of let me know like where I was on the map. It's like being lost in a hedge maze and having no idea. You're just like, how did, what am, where am I? And then someone kind of gave me this bird's eye view of what's going on and gave me, told me where the walls were. And then I had to fill in the puzzle myself. And along the way, sometimes people come in and help me. Um, and, you know, the best way I can describe these people is my muses. And I never want you guys to think that, you know, I am a, um, uh, I am not a product of people uh, lending me a helping hand. Anyways, going back to it, we're going to learn about psychological profiles, how to utilize. But let's talk about how a psychological profile would be used in a more common setting, not so espionage-esque I hate to go so crazy with that right off the bat. So let's learn about something everybody knows is reality television. Now, there's this website called Taste of Reality. It's basically a uh, website that reviews and it's all people who are addicted to reality shows. They go to Taste of Reality. And they have this article called Eight Tricks That Reality Producers Use to Get the Most Drama on the Real Housewives. And this is written by Jenny Glassman, April 23rd in 2018. The title of it is Eight Tricks That Reality Producers Use to Get Get the Most Drama on the Real Housewives. So if you want to Google it yourself to know this is a real thing, I'm not pulling this out of my behind. And... um, Let's just get right into it. So the article says, We all love the juicy season of The Real Housewives. I don't know, do we? But if the cast is good and the drama is tight, then we know we're in for a fun season of fights and iconic insults. But maybe we've wondered how exactly the producers of reality shows get the ball rolling. 
how they encourage their cast to open up or how they even say something that is going to get them into serious trouble. Producing a reality show is an art, and if you know the right tricks of the trade, you can change the entire way you watch your favorite series. Take a look at the eight sneaky ways the producers get the ladies all riled up. Um, they give a different call time to the cast members. One of the earliest beefs this season on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills was a dispute between Dorit Kimsley and Teddy Mellencamp about the time where they were supposed to meet at a restaurant. Oh, that's so... Yeah, <laughs> I read this article before, uh, but I've been in another... I just finished doing another podcast. I was in that world, and I totally forgot about this. So, in Teddy's eyes, Dory was five minute, 45 minutes late to their lunch. Dory claims it was only 20. This drama dragged on for four episodes, with Dory and Teddy going back and forth on what time they are actually supposed to meet. Perhaps both Teddy and Dory don't, would have benefited from knowing that giving cast members different call times to a location is a classic producer trip trick to get cast members mad at each other and it makes complete sense we all have friends we think are chronically late to things and if you can't think of anyone that friend is you and it is really really annoying so in the case of uh rob it was brilliant production move to have an accountability coach to be stood up by the season's villain so they purposefully misinformed two people <laughs> they purposefully misinformed two people uh about what's going on and then those people continually now bitch at each other because they're debating on what happened, what didn't happen. Here's another thing that they do to people on reality shows to make drama happen. They tell contestants that they are going to use the inter- that they aren't going to use the interview because they're boring. So so they'll tell the people on the interview, uh, you know how they do the interview segments where they talk shit about each other. Well, they'll, what they'll do is they'll start filming things and then they'll tell them, like, we're probably not going to use this. Well, there just wasn't really anything in it of worth. And these, and what they, and these people, they want to be on TV. So what they'll, they'll do is they'll be like, oh, well, I'll turn it up a notch if it gets me on TV. And then these people see each other saying shit about each other and then they get fucking hella pissed, but they're holding this carrot in front of them. Um, another way that they use to, uh, they open up so that the cast members will open up. So basically the producers oftentimes open up and share about their own lives to establish a line of trust between themselves and the cast member they're interviewing. So when you start telling an interview subject about your personal life and encourage them to open about theirs, that's kind of fucked up. They change their point of view or agree with their unpopular opinion. If an interview is turning out to be a dud or a contestant is hiding something to be politically correct or not say something they are going to regret on TV, producers have their own ways to elicit emotion. Seth writes that if an interview is not producing an interesting soundbite, he would sometimes challenge the cast members' strongly held beliefs to try to get their blood to boil. Or perhaps the producer has the opposite problem. A cast member is trying to play the game smart and they don't want to reveal their true nature. Uh, by agreeing with them in the interview. Reality TV subjects are sometimes embarrassed to share their unpopular politics, politically incorrect opinions on camera unless they feel like you believe the same way. For example, on a dating show I once produced, the guy was getting ready for a date as an awful misogynist and he was careful not to reveal it on camera and I didn't want him to get away with it. So at a certain point during an interview, I sent a female colleague out of the room when it was just guys and I let loose some casual sexism and he picked up on it right where I left off and I dug and dug himself in a nice little grape. 
So basically, this they were this guy used emotional intelligence. Believe it or not, did I mean you have to understand these um, reality TV shows? They do psychological profiles on people. Um, they dig into their past. They get a psych. They do a psychological profile on them. Like you had no idea. There is nothing that they don't know about these people, and they use that to their advantage. And um, this guy, he's saying he. Now I'm not saying he used that psychological profile, but uh, he kind of noticed like, oh, well, I wonder if this guy's sexist. Let me see if I can't open him up a little bit. And that he did that to get him to be sexist on camera. I don't know. That might be, you know, I'm now I'm reading, I'm, I'm reading that. And I'm sitting here thinking like, isn't that kind of the same thing as like when Trump was talking about grab them right by the pussy or something like that. It's basically just dudes pretending that they're uh, more sexually rad than they are. I don't know if that... Who knows? But anyways, here's another Here's another thing that they do to um, people on reality shows. This is what the producers do because they, they want to sell commercial time and they will literally help a person or encourage a person to ruin their life or mislead them... <laughs> So they can sell ad space. Can you believe that? These people are... Yikes. Anyways, here's another thing that they say. They send texts as a friend who dishes tea about another housewife. So he said, we've seen this a million times in The Real Housewife. A cast member will have a friend or anonymous friend who is a blogger send them a tip with gossip or text them a tip with gossip that another cast member has said about them. So a random person who claims to be a friend of a friend will text them and then say... So-and-so is saying this about you. So this person connected to the cast member has never explained or verified. And the cast member never doubts the validity of that tip that they are receiving. This is because this friend is a producer who is trying their hardest to stir up drama. That is so fucked up. But anyway. Yeah. Take, for instance, the last season of Roni when the friend sent Dorinda Medley an interview that Sonia Morgan... I have no idea who these people are. I don't I don't watch reality TV, but this is important because it leads to another thing we're going to learn today. So, Sonia Morgan had given where she called Luan de Luis's wedding... She called her wedding tacky and said that she would never go if she, if she even if she was invited. So somebody sent somebody a text from a unqual un unverified source to one of the cast members saying that so and so said she would never go to your wedding if you weren't invited. Okay. So not only did this revelation cause a huge blowout fight between Sonia and most of the cast, but it set up that season's most iconic fights that continue this day. And who was that friend you might ask? That friend was a producer. So the producers just text and they know a lot about the people that they're claiming to be friends with. And so they say they know so-and-so and they're giving them a tip or whatever during the show being produced. The reality show, I guess you call it. Just to stir shit up. Isn't that fucked up? Um, here's another thing that producers do on reality TV shows to manipulate the cast emotionally uh, through behavioral manipulation. They prearrange a seating chart. In an interview with Business Insider, a former Real Housewife producer who wished to remain anonymous will know shit. Share this insider tip about those infamous dinner scenes. The insider spills that to get some of the most juiciest fights, you'll say when you walk up, you're going to sit next to him and sit across from her in some cases. Sometimes the whole casts know where they're sitting and sometimes they don't know. Sometimes just a few know. 
If two ladies happen to be beefing big time, just sitting next to each other can get tensions right. So that is fucked. So if they know people don't like each other, they'll put them in close proximity. So they'll lose their shit and then fucking ruin the reputation on TV. Um, here's something that producers do. They plan the story in advance. Yes, friend, unfortunately. And here's what they say. Planning the, the story in advance. Yes, friends. Unfortunately, not all drama is real on The Real Housewives, according to Business Insider. That same anonymous producer says that, I like to be an assassin. I'll try to subtly get the story way before the scene. I'll put it in their heads so basically they'll think about it organically. I'll trick them. Basically, I'll sort of give them story beats a couple of days later in advance or remind them what's happening in real life and what we want to see in a subtle way so they don't know I'm doing it. You simply prompt them and say, hey, so-and-so, so you feel this way, tell him about that. In a weird way, you're doing on-camera therapy, but all you're actually doing is bringing out the tension that exists between these two people and letting them talk it out. I know this sounds bizarre, but I've seen relationships actually improve because of the intervention in the show, of the show in people's lives. We can't be so sure that these confrontations improve lives. We do know that sometimes producers will try and make storylines happen based on what's going on in cast members' lives and see what drama pops up once, once they start shooting. So if they find something good, for instance, the whole Munchausen's debacle on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Is that what R-H-O-B-H is? That is a hell of an acronym. Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, then the producer will encourage cast members to talk about it with each other in their interviews. So if they know something is going on in someone else's life, they'll encourage the other people to talk shit, <laughs> talk shit about it, you know, and then previously we learned that basically they say, oh, this was boring. I don't think we're going to use this for the show to encourage them to like turn it up a notch. That's crazy. That is so fucked up. And then here's another thing that producers do on reality TV shows. They flat out tell them what to say. This practice is known as feeding lines to a cast member. Yes, this really happens. Seth tells Gawker that. An open secret of reality production is that much of what the characters say in interviews is written by the producers, sometimes in an entire writer's room. Even when you don't intend to put words in their mouths, interview subjects often grow frustrated by producers' efforts to draw a specific kind of soundbite. And I've been asked more than once, just tell me what you want me to say. Sometimes it's more of a concise version of what they just said. Other times it's a joke you've thought up that you would that would work well to set up a scene. After spending weeks or months talking to a subject, I trust myself to know his or her voice. So basically they sit there and they pick the person apart and they go, can this person pull this off, kind of whatever. And then sometimes they'll just tell them, this is what I want you to go in and say to this person. Because they know it'll start shit. But the person who's being handled by these producers will just... Is being told to say this shit. And I think a lot of these people just get told, say this shit to so-and-so. And the person saying it doesn't even understand what they're about to fucking start. So yeah, that's, that's fucking... That's crazy, right? But I wanted you guys to know about, you know, how people who are professionals at this will manipulate people just to get the most fucked up parts of their lives uh, on these shows. So now you know that the producers psychologically manipulate these people. They manipulate, they, they misinform both people. And before a scene, 
they will tell one cast member to say something to another, knowing it'll set that person off, even though the person that they told to say it, their handler, pot producer, whatever, um, knows it'll set that person off, but they tell a person, go in there and say this to that person, knowing it'll get like us, you know, the scene going, whatever. You gotta understand handlers, um, it's, it's crazy, but you need to understand how they know how to say these things, how they know how to manipulate these people. And that is because, <clears throat> fuck, my internet never pops up when I need it to. So there's this company called MHS Assessments. And basically, they're a company that provides psychoanalytic assessments of people professionally as a service called MHS Beyond Assessments. And MHS, like I said, they provide psychological they provide psychological assessments and screening. So basically, they build a psychological profile of a person, um, and they work closely with all of these reality show commercial and uh, um, reality show producing companies and these production houses, etc. And they even have something on their blog on MHS own website. It's called the psychological screening behind reality TV casting. And I'm going to go into the article. Have you ever watched your favorite reality TV show and wondered, where do they find these characters? It may surprise you that MHS, this is mental health, uh, uh, mental health screening company blog, has been directly involved with candidate selection for over 20 reality TV shows in the United States and Canada. According to the New York Times, 15 out of the 20 most popular TV shows that on air are reality shows. TV shows, many iterations and versions of the most popular shows are produced in over 50 countries around the world. MHS's founder and chairman executive, Dr. Steven Stein, has been working with reality TV production companies as a psychological consultant and casting advisor since 1999. So now you understand, ah, oh, we're getting behavioral science involved in manipulating people and then capturing it for a show. He has worked on shows ranging from social competitions like Big Brother Canada and Survivor to skill comp- competitions, Master Chef Canada from the ground up, with Debbie Travis, and scare shows like Panic Button, Scare Tactics. Each show looks for something different from the people they cast on the show, which means Dr. Stein and his team of experts need to identify different areas to assess and the best tools to use. Using MHS's wide range of clinical, public safety, and talent assessment tools, I get to work with Dr. Stein to put together a collection of assessments to create a psychological screening that will help him inform the show's producers who the best candidates for the show are. And the results of the candidate's psychological screening are used to determine who can manage the high-pressure circumstances of being on the show, uh, the unique challenges they may face when the show is over, when they win or lose, and some producers are able, able to use the information we provide them to go so far as predicting who will enter uh, showmance or romantic relationship while being on the show. So basically, they do a complete psychological profile. A behavioral psychologist will put through somebody through some sort of series of litmus tests to test their range of behavior on certain things. And then they will build a psychological profile. Basically, all the things that's going to set that person off, all the things that person desires, all the things that things that person is uh, intrinsically motivated about but won't openly say it, um, all the things that disgust that person, all the things that uh, um, will, uh, what's it called, that person is attracted to, 
etc. And they build this profile. You understand? They build this profile of all these people. So that's how these producers, going back to the other article, that's how these producers know is they have this profile. They have a a, a fucking a a little report and they're told this is what this person is, this is how they are, this is what they're motivated by, this is blah 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 blah. And because they didn't know while after they selected cast members that they were putting them through psychological examinations. And most of the time when you're getting a profile built on you, you don't know because if you don't if you know you're getting a profile built on you, you will act differently. So what they do is they usually put you through a series of experiences, etc., and understand what your range is without you even knowing. How fucking spooky is that? So that's how the people in reality TV shows, and that's been, and this is since 1999. This uh, these this this company, this uh, psychological screening company, has been doing it with reality TV and pretty much all of them. So they build a profile on these people, and they know literally every button to push to do whatever they want with this person, how to get them to put them in certain situations, etc. So they literally even, before the show even starts, will set people up to hook up, etc. Knowing based on their behavioral profile, a professional profile built for them, and they don't even under they don't even realize what's being built of our, of them. So that's how psychological profiling and social manipulation is used just in a regular professional setting. Nothing top secret, nothing crazy, right? That's always important to know, like. Not all this shit is behind the veil, which is always hard to describe when you're trying to tell people like, oh, you know, I'm hearing this podcast of this guy and he's talking about this and that and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, people have to get into that world, but I want to explain how these things are normal everyday things. You just don't understand that they can be weaponized and the people who are really good at it, it doesn't even look like they're doing anything. So that's that for reality TV, you understand that the producers manipulate them and they manipulate them because they have a complete psychological breakdown of all the things that are going to set them off, all their desires, you know, their intrinsic motivators, the things that they want to be, all those things. Now, let's get into other uses of psychiatrists who build psychological profiles. And basically, here in formal, here is the CIA hires psychiatrists, and on their website, on their careers page, for browse CIA jobs, you have psychiatrists, and under the under the job ad for psychiatrists, it says psychiatrists help the CIA mission where it intersects with psychiatry and broader behavioral issues and provide medical care for agencies' employees, dependents, and other agency-sponsored people. Their starting salary for a CIA psychologist is one hundred seventy-three thousand dollars a year. $276,300 a year. The Department of Homeland Security currently is hiring, it currently hires uh, psychologists and they start at around $102,000 a year. This is um, one of the jobs that you can get at the Homeland, Department of Homeland Security. They're not all a bunch of people uh, chasing um migrants and uh trying to find silly ways to get you on a terror list they also have people professionally on staff who can break people down and provide psychological assessments of people CIA FBI also hires psychi uh, um, psychiatrists 
uh, clinical psychiatrist, CIA does it, Department of Homeland Security, um, etc. Now let's go into how these behavioral psychologists create a profile and why they are staffed by our intelligence agencies for things like Homeland Security, etc. And this is an article from Mother Jones, and the title is, so if you want to read it yourself so you know I'm not pulling out of my behind, is that CIA's secret psychological profiles of dictators and world leaders are amazing. That's the title of the article, so you can type all that in. The CIA's secret psychological profiles of dictators and world leaders are amazing. So, we're going to read this article together, but I'm going to go a little ahead. It says, um... Last week, Political and USA Today uh, reported about a secret 2008 Pentagon study which concluded that Russian President Vladimir Putin's defining characteristic is autism. The Office of Net Assessment Body Leads Project asserted that scrutinizing hours of Putin's footage revealed that the Russian president carries a neurological abnormality identified by leading neuroscientists as Asperger's Syndrome an autistic disorder which affects all of his decisions. Putin's spokesman, this is Mother Jones, by the way, they're a respected news outlet. Putin's spokesman dismissed the claim as stupidity not worth the comment, but it was far from the first time the intelligence community has tried to diagnose foreign leaders from afar on behalf of the American politicians and diplomats. The CIA has long history of crafting psychological and political profiles of international figures with varying depths with uh, their varying depths, degrees of depth. A sampling of these attempts to get inside the heads of heads of state. In 1943, the Office of Strategic Service, which was basically what the CIA was called back in the day, um, the CIA's World War II era predecessor, commissioned Henry A. Murray of Harvard Psychological Clinic to evaluate Hitler. His findings was a 240-page assessment. Can you believe that? 240 pages to break you down as a human. 240-page uh, assessment. Murray and his colleagues concluded that Hitler was an insecure, impotent, masochistic, and suicidal neurotic narcissist who saw himself as the destroyer of an antiquated Hebraic Christian superego. Also, there is little disagreement among professionals or even among amateur psychologists that Hitler's personality is an example of a counteractive type, a type that is marked by intense and stubborn efforts to overcome early disabilities, weakness, and humiliations, basically wounds of self-esteem, and sometimes also by efforts to revenge injuries and insults to pride. The report stated that Hitler had suffered from hysterical blindness, and he was a soldier in World War I. The psychosomatic illness was ill-competent. And the final defeat of Mother Germany. And it was after hearing of her capitulation that he had a vision of his task as a savior. Suddenly his sight was restored. Um, there was a CIA study on Ho Chi Minh. Which the CIA studied the Vietnamese leader of the revolutionary 1950s. The findings report remains classified, but a 1994 article by Thomas Olmstead in Foreign Policy, not online, cites a retired Marine who saw it while working at an agency. The 
source told Amistad that the CIA misread Ho's political motivations and goals, a product of the Cold War, a prolific exaggeration of Ho's Marxism, and underestimated his ardent nationalism. So they kind of missed the ball on that one. Now, I know this seems silly to go through this, but we're building towards something, okay? Um, the CIA also psychologically profiled uh, Khrushchev, who was the so uh, the the Soviet Union's uh, premier in advance, and his the CIA profiled the Soviet premier in advance of his 1961 meeting with President John F. Kennedy in Vienna. Reading up on his adversary got JFK hooked on CIA personality profiles, particularly salacious secrets about foreign leaders. According to the historian Michael Beslos, the Soviets also pro profiled Kennedy for Khrushchev. So. Even all countries do this. This isn't just ours. Uh, describing him as a typical pragmatist whose liberalism is rather relative. The CIA found that uh, portrayed Khrushchev as a crude peasant who liked to be unpredictable and two-faced. Gunter Bischoff and Martin Kofler wrote in a book on the summit. The dossier describes him as an uninhibited ham actor who sometimes illustrates his points with the crudest sort of barnyard humor. Khrushchev is endowed, on occasion, with considerably high personal dignity. He has a truly unusual ability to project the force of his own powerful personality. He is immoderately sensitive to slights. Uh, real or imagined, direct or inferred, to himself, his political faith, or his nation all of which he views more or less interchangeably. Capable of extraordinarily, extraordinary frankness, and in his own eyes, no doubt unusually honest, Khrushchev can also on occasion be a gambler and a dissembler expert in calculated bluffing. It's often hard to distinguish when Khrushchev is in his own eyes voicing real conviction and when he is disasse uh, dissembling. It is also difficult with Khrushchev to tell whether his anger is real or feigned. He is less able to conceal his formidable temper when he is tired. So, they have all this broken down. They study hours of footage and archive footage of how he is in public so they know how he pretends for people. They usually have, like, secret recordings of a person. They have video that they study of this person when they don't know that they're being watched. And they're doing this all when this person doesn't even realize that this person is being broken down through various sources of media to understand all the buttons to push. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Fidel Castro, they did it to Fidel Castro. The CIA psychiatrist staff published a secret report on the Cuban leader in December 1961. Oh, let me look at my time here. 30 minutes. Okay. Uh, Castro is not, the findings of the CIA was Castro is not crazy, but he is so highly neurotic and unstable a personality as to be quite vulnerable to certain kinds of psychological pressure. The outstanding neurotic elements in his personality are his hunger for power and his need for the recognition and adulation of the masses. Castro has a constant need to rebel, to find an adversary, and to extend his personal power by overthrowing existing authority. Whenever his self-concept is slightly disrupted by criticism, he becomes so emotionally unstable as to lose some degree of his contact with reality. Castro's egoism is his Achilles' heel. Let's see, who else did they profile? 
Munar Qaddafi. Man, that's a story. If anything, Qaddafi's story should be, don't start your own bank backed by gold. If anybody understands what happened, actually happened to Qaddafi. That's what happened to Gaddafi. He tried to start his own he started tried to start his own bank and it was all backed by gold because he there's just so much gold that Libya had. But anyways, let's just let's learn about Gaddafi. Okay, so the CIA's findings um, said despite popular belief to the contrary, Gaddafi is not psychotic. For the most part, he is in contact with reality. Gaddafi is judged to suffer from a severe personality disturbance, a borderline personality disorder. Under severe stress, he is subject to bizarre behavior when his judgment may be faulty. <laughs> I'm looking at this article. It said, fun fact, after realizing that President Ronald Reagan was not a big reader, the CIA started presenting him, his leader, his psychological profiles as videos with narration and music. <laughs> That's funny. Saddam Hussein's profile. What did the CIA find out about Saddam Hussein? Saddam Hussein, they found that he is the, the labels madman of the Middle East and megalomaniac are often affixed to Saddam, but in fact there is no evidence that he is suffering from a psychotic disorder. Saddam's pursuit of power for himself in Iraq is boundless. In fact, in his mind, the destiny of Saddam and Iraq are one and indistinguishable. In pursuit of his messianic dreams, there is no evidence he is constrained by conscience. His only loyalty is to his Saddam Hussein. In pursuing his goals, Saddam uses aggression instrumentally. He uses whatever force is necessary and will, if he deems it expedient, go to extremes of violence, in, in, including the use of weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, right. While Hussein is not psychotic, he has a strong paranoid orientation. Saddam has no wish to be a martyr, and survival is his number one priority. Well, we learned that was true. A self-proclaimed revolutionary pragmatist, he does not wish to conflict in which Iraq will be grievously damaged and his stature as a leader destroyed. Saddam will not go down to the last flamey bunker if he has a way out, but he can be extremely dangerous and will stop at nothing if he is backed in a corner. So yeah, the, so the CIA builds profiles on people. As we know, that, that that's what that position is for. They hire for that position. It starts at quite a bit of starting salary for someone just out of college. I imagine it goes up exponentially the higher your clearance and the more they trust you. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security has these people to do um, psychological profiles, etc. So why is this important? And now that you understand what a psychological profile looks like and the things that they understand about a person, the fact that it's ha it happens just on reality TV shows and they do that to the cast members so they can manipulate them to make the show better just literally just sell ads they will literally they will literally manipulate these people into destroying their own lives so these people can sell ads for fucking you know toilet tissue toilet duck you know spray uh, uh, fucking ice Ben and Jerry's ice cream whatever these people they are ruining these people's lives <laughs> manipulating them because they have a literal master key or a map of their whole of all their intrinsic motivators how what they think about how they think about etc in a little packet and they use that information to manipulate these people into basically ruining their lives and misinform these people etc this is what a this is what a psychological profile sounds like and we know that 
even Department of Homeland Security makes these for people. And why am I saying, why, now why are we learning about psychological profiles and all this stuff where it's used commonly, what a psychological, you know, how it's used in reality shows to ruin people's lives, just to sell fucking candy. And why are we learning that the CIA, even the Department of Homeland Security, uh, hires psychiatrists to build psychological profiles and what does a psychological profile look like, sound like? And we got little samples of that on world leaders. Because this will happen to you. And we, and we know that in this program, there is something called InfraGuard that the FBI does. And there's also, fuck, there's another thing that copies InfraGuard. Basically, it's the gang stock, it's the gang stalking initiator for the Department of Homeland Security. There is a program for this gang stalking, etc., for Homeland Security. Why? It's because their whole job, they employ hundreds of thousands of people, by the way, um, is to put people on the terror. They need to legitimize their existence, right? Homeland Security, I guess we have lots of things in our homeland we got to vet out. So basically, when someone gets put on the terror list, and they don't know that they got on the terror list, and it's for the most silliest shit ever, I've read that list for you, but you know what? Why don't I read that list for you again so you can understand? Because you know what? I don't think you guys just binge listen to these podcasts. Let me find it. Hold on. CSO Online. DHS. Watch list. Terrorist. No, not watch list. Terrorist list. Boom, boom, sorry. I do these things, you know what I'm saying? I shoot from the hip. So, the DHS can qualify you to be put on a terrorist list, domestic terrorist watch list, and subject to abuses in the COINTELPRO 2.0 program. And here are some of the fucking most ridiculous reasons to get you put on this list, right? And they make these standards very low and obscure to put people on the list just for whatever. And here it is. Here's the thing is because the list has so many attributes to it, anybody who's talking shit about a president, maybe a prominent politician who has connections to the military industrial complex, Bush, Jen Cheney, um, etc., you have this low bar of entry where they can just be like, well, these people are terrorists. This guy doesn't like them, what they're saying, whatever. And this now, and, and these are our low requirements for being a terrorist. Now we got you put on this list. But here is just some of the things that can get you put on this terrorist list and qualify you for COINTELPRO Pro 2.0. Expressions of libertarian philosophies. So if you're if express if you have views that align with the libertarian party. So basically, if you're a libertarian, let's hold on. Let's let's do a little numbers work here. How many libertarians are there? I'm curious. Let's ask. The Google machine, how many identify as libertarian? Seventeen to twenty three percent of the American electorate. So 17 to 23% of Americans identify with libertarian party views. 
So basically 17 to 23% of Americans easily can just be put on the terrorist list and be subject to these crazy things in COINTELPRO 2.0. That is fucking crazy. What is what is 23% of 330 million? Hold on, let me ask Google what is. What is? I'm stupid. I went to art school. Hold on. 23% of 330 million. Come on, man. Do the math for me, bro. Wow. 75.9 million people qualify to get on the fucking terrorist watch list. That should make your fucking blood boil. It doesn't, though, because, you know, iPhones and fucking... Game of Thrones. Um, you can get on a per, on a d- domestic terrorist list for having Second Amendment oriented views. No bullshit. This is literally from the de- this is literally from the Department of Homeland Security's packet they released, thanks to the Intercept doing a uh, what do you call it uh, information request. Uh, so if you're a member of the NRA or a gun club membership or hold a concealed carry permit, they can put you on a terror list, domestic terror list. No bullshit. If you have a record of survivalist literature, or if you've purchased the book called, uh, named Patriots or another book called one second after these books are mentioned by name in this, in this release document. So basically, so yeah, the government's watching what you buy online. So don't buy shit on Amazon if you don't want the government to fucking watch you. But if you buy survivalist literature, you know, like prepping. How many people are preppers? There's a shit ton of people are preppers. But yeah, that'll put you on a fucking terror uh, on a terror list. If you stockpile food, ammo, hand tools, or medical supplies, it'll put you on a terrorist uh, domestic terror list. If you express fears of economic collapse, so if you think the economy is shit, you express those fears online. Or you talk about buying gold and learning to barter items. That'll put you on a terror list, a domestic terror list. If you express fears of big brother or big government and use those terms online, uh, you can be put on a domestic terror list. If you homeschool your kids, you can be put on a domestic terror list. If you talk about, if you have declarations of constitutional rights and civil liberties. but if you, So if you talk about the First Amendment online, if you talk about the Second Amendment online, if you talk about the Sixth Amendment online, if you talk about your civil liberties, if you basically, if you talk about being an American, <laughs> you can be put on a domestic terror list. Or if you talk about the New World Order, you can be put on a domestic terror list. Those are just some of the things. How fucking crazy is that? But they make that list such a low bar, right? So when they find somebody that pisses somebody off at the top of the food chain, they can just, hey, he qualifies. We can do this shit to him now. But anyways, so that's a little bit about getting put on a domestic terror, uh, on uh, how easy it is to get put on a domestic terror list and for them to implement these weaponized behavioral science to get people to lynch you in your community or whatever. Um... We understand that psychiatrists build a profile on you, even on TV, to and teach the producers to use these things to manipulate the cast and to literally 
know what I'm saying? Like the most fucked up situations just to sell candy. And then we now we learned that, you know, the government employs psychiatrists to build a profile on you. Just using basically using source material. They'll put you through some litmus tests, basically put you through tests you don't know are tests so they can get a range of the things that drive you intrinsically, whatever. And they use this information. And, you know, since it's so easy to get on one of these watch, not watch list, it's a domestic terror list. It's a difference. One is they're just paying attention to you. The other one, they are engaging you, believe it or not. So they make the bar so low to get on one of these lists. So what they do is four people in this program is Department of Homeland Security, CIA, whoever's interested in you, uh, will use these people on staff and they will build a psychological profile of you. They'll do it of your mother. They'll do it of your grandma. They'll do it of the girl you're screwing. They'll do it of your aunt. They'll do it of your cousin. They'll do it of your brother. They'll do it of your, you know what I'm saying, your boss at work. Because that person is important in your life, right? Because they deal with, uh, what's it called? You being able to make an income. They'll do it with, you know, your your best friend. They'll find out your, all the things that motivate your best friend. Um, they'll figure out, you know, the if you're part of like a church group or whatever, who is the director of that church? All these key people and key um, parts of your life, they'll build a psychological profile, just like we read in all those people. And then what they will do, just like the producers do, using this information, is they will then use this information on all the things that they know that will get that person to hate something, like something, feel jealous of something, feel, um, um, what's it called? Feel, you know, self-righteous about things, whatever. And they'll get that just like they do with reality TV shows. And they will get these and they will get people in your life, etc., to basically isolate you. And they will use these psychological profiles to manipulate these people, just like producers do in reality TV shows. And they will do that to destroy your family. To get your to get your family members against you, to get your best friend to hate you, to get your best friend to fuck your girlfriend, to make your girlfriend think that your best friend is better than you, to make you and your best friend no longer friends anymore. They will get you, you know I'm saying your siblings to attack you or sabotage you or sell you out or whatever, and they'll build these profiles before they start engaging you, your personal network, etc., to literally collapse your life. And you know. I, I keep talking about how, like, you have, there's nothing that will prepare you, not in high school, not in college, whatever, for what the U.S. government has professionally honed this skill to eliminate threats within its own borders. And they are good at it, and they are fucking calculated, and they use behavioral science. Science is the key, um key word here so you can keep so you can bet on these results every time and it'll produce the same result like a recipe that means that you won't have surprises at the end it's like math you know what i'm saying the math can only be done one right one way for it to be right so you can always expect that answer it'll always be 42 do you know what i'm saying and they will use these profiles to literally collapse your life get people that are closest to you to sabotage you They'll find out what motivates them sexually. They'll find out what motivates them intrinsically. What motivates them to, what would motivate them to sabotage you? What are some of the things that they're holding 
you know what I'm saying, guilt or regret about, how do you, how could they help sabotage you and like write off that guilt, etc.? How can they feel better about themselves by selling you out, etc.? And you have no fucking clue. There is nothing that's going to prepare you or your family. They will absolutely destroy you and your family, your relationships. They will pit each other, the family members against each other, etc. Just like cast members of a fucking reality show. You and you will not see it coming. Your family won't see it coming. You have no idea what it is that they're what they're doing, what they're what they're doing. They're doing it just like producers do, using uh, psychoanalysts to build a profile to motivate you to motivate you and people that are close to you to collapse, to leave it. So you have nobody helping you anymore, and the people who are doing it will feel like it's their own idea. And that they're acting of their own free will. And this is what they think now, etc. They have no idea one person's being misinformed. Another person is texting somebody acting like uh, an expert. Or they're giving them some infighted information or whatever. Like, you have no fucking clue. And that's why they will just defeat you in detail. And you have to be prepared for this. And I don't know how you would defeat this. But I will tell you that... If you get to the point where you think, okay, the government is coming to kick my ass, and the government has an unlimited amount of people and an unlimited budget and unlimited money, and I don't have unlimited money, and I only have a little unlimited amount of people, what is my best course of action? If you can somehow get your family together, get your friends together, get them on a mass group text, be like, hey... I'm getting bugged. I'm pretty sure it's because this person doesn't like me and, you know, and the government or I leak this information. Now, this is primarily for people a little higher in the higher in the program, you know, but, you know, these tactics are also used on people in more localized versions of just gang stalking where, you know, you get that mass formation psychosis. They will absolutely collapse your family union, get you guys to literally just knives out, like the movie Knives Out, just stab each other in the back, and everyone will think it's their own idea, but it's not. They've built a profile on you. They know all the things that motivate you. You're like a little puppet. They are Geppetto, and you will think all the things that you think are your own ideas, and they won't know that you won't know that they've been string pulling you to get your family to destroy itself. Because if you don't have a network of people to help you, the government can fuck you till you're dead and then you'll no longer be a problem. And these are used in real world applications and they're used in applications to destroy for the government to help destroy Americans that they see are a threat or maybe there's a prominent politician or somebody well connected to the government, high levels of government, etc. doesn't like the shit that you're saying about them who has a connection to you know, the military-industrial complex. There are lots of politicians that, you know, befriend that industry specifically for these reasons. And these, these favors are passed through the pipeline. And you'll never, and they'll never keep a trace of them. They'll just, somehow you end up on a terrorist watch list. Or not terrorist watch list. A domestic terrorist list. You know, when all of a sudden you find out you can't fly on a plane anymore and shit. And that's already happening. It's not a watch list. You're on a domestic terror list. Now you're a domestic terrorist you're not on a watch. They're not just paying attention to you. But because somebody doesn't like what you're saying. Uh, because maybe you leak some information. Yada, yada, yada. But they have these skills. And they have these people just on staff. they just on staff. That's what their job is. And they 
create will create profiles of your personal network. All the people that are key to your survival, whether that be your boss, whether that be your girlfriend, whether that be a person that you work with, you know what I'm saying, etc. And they will puppet these people to render you a non-threat or just to, you know what I'm saying, if there is a politician who doesn't like you or somebody in the government doesn't like you or what have you, just to fucking shit on your life to let you know, yeah, bitch, don't talk about me, motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Pentagon, what, what? So, that's something you need to keep in mind. That's something you need to understand. It's why this shit seems like magic. When you weaponize behavioral... See, here's the thing. You know that Tom Cruise video of Tom Cruise talking about all the crazy shit that psychologists have done? It's all been in the name of the federal government. And Tom Cruise, it's crazy. It's a thousand percent correct. You should look that video up. Tom Cruise talks about psychologists. Actually, I'm going to look at the title real quick so you can watch it yourself. I'm not going to play it on here. Well, maybe I am. Get out of here, fucking fly. It's only four minutes long. I'm going to play it. Please don't be an ad. Mother. Sorry, I had to stop it there. I was playing an ad on YouTube. Okay, here's the, here's the, here's the interview. Changes a bit. You're going to see a fiery Tom Cruise talk about his attack on Brooke Shields, antidepressants, and Ritalin for kids. I've never agreed with psychiatry, ever. Uh, before I was a Scientologist, I never agreed with psychiatry. And then when I started studying the history of psychiatry, I started realizing more and more why I didn't agree with psychiatry. And as far as the Brooke Shields thing is, look, you got to understand, I really care about Brooke Shields. I think here's a, a wonderful and talented woman. And uh, I want to see her do well. And I know that uh, psychiatry is, is a pseudoscience. But, but Tom, if she said that this particular thing helped her feel better, whether it was the antidepressant or going to a counselor or a psychiatrist, isn't that enough? Matt, you have to understand this. Here we are today, where I talk out against drugs and psychiatric abuses of electric shocking people, mm -hmm. okay, against their will, of drugging children with them not knowing the effects of these drugs. Do you know what Adderall is? Do you know Ritalin? Do you know now that Ritalin is a street drug? Do you understand that? Well, Ritalin is basically math for kids, but, but yeah, so, uh, he came, he goes on and on in that interview. You should watch the whole interview. Um, just psychiatry basically was the reason why psychiatry has gone so far, at least in the United States, is because our intelligence services saw like once we started doing experiments, we understood like, oh, whoa, we can predict the outcome of human behavior the more we learn about this. And so our country just became fucking experts in behavioral science. And we learned every little thing we could about the brain. And we've been doing it for the past, gosh, 70, 80 years now. And we are experts in it. And people in our intelligence services weaponize these things that we've learned. I mean, something that you do for 70, 80 years, you're going to be an expert at it. And so these people, and then this science is weaponized in our intelligence agencies, in our Department of Homeland Security. I mean, <clears throat> basically, they're just kind of like a diet fed, but... Their response, and they can just destroy your life to put you on a terror, a domestic terror list for the most basic shit 
and they make it basic, the in- barrier for entry, so they so they can just put people on it when they become a threat to a politician, uh, what have you. And they weaponize behavioral psychology. They'll weaponize this stuff. They'll build profiles in your whole family. They'll find out what motivates them. Do they need somebody, a romantic interest? Do they need to feel loved? Do they need to feel better? Do they need to feel better than you? Have they always thought you was a rival? Do they feel guilty about things they've done to you? Um, all these things. Like I said, like they will just manipulate the dog shit out of your family. Out of your friends. Out of the people that you work with. Etc. Because these people are important. Because when they knock you down Maslow's Pyramid. Remember I told you all these things that I teach about in each one of these podcasts. They all hold hands with each other somewhere. It's like a, it's like a web. Um, when they knock you down Maslow's Pyramid and you're on the bottom of the pyramid. Um, you're going to need these people. but they So that's why they destroy the family unit. They destroy your friends. They destroy your, your work uh, colleagues, relationships, etc. And they build profiles on these people. They find out all the ways to manipulate them. They, they Geppetto these people. They, 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 they pull their puppet strings. Um, and it feels silly to say like puppet strings or what have you. But basically that's what it is. Because they have a whole psychological profile. And they know everything that's going to get you to do the thing that they need you to do. And they're going to... And since you yourself don't understand behavioral, is a, behavioral science as a science... You're not going to be sitting there thinking that you need to worry about this shit. You're not going to think like, oh, someone's probably manipulating me and I don't even realize it. No, these are my own ideas. This is what I feel like. No, they have a whole, they have a whole book on you, bro. You, they have the program. Do you understand? They have the programming language for fucking Jeff, for Daryl, for Karen, for Carol, for, for, you know, saying for, um, you know whoever you, you know what I'm saying for for Kelly whatever your name is doesn't matter but they have the programming language to make you do what you want like a little puppet just like and and producers have been doing this just for TV to sell ads but the US government uses this in a much more weaponized way to destroy you so you are no longer a threat but your family etc when it, when they're destroyed when no one's talking to each other etc they won't even have the understanding that this was this happened all by design and the reason why you guys don't talk to each other and nothing's the same anymore etc is because you guys were your family and you and the people that you relied on etc were puppeted to this point but people but the people who were manipulated will feel like they got there on their own i mean if they can literally just do it to sell candy on tv think about how gnarly the government uses it they're going to use it on you. If you're in this program, understand that's what's happening. That's why these bonds are breaking, etc. If you can somehow get these people to understand this, people in your life, if you are aware that this is happening to your life, I suggest you do that somehow. That's the only way I can think of to fight it. But nothing's going to prepare you and your family for what the government's going to come and do to you. And they're going to use familiar faces, etc. to do this. It's not going to... Like I said, the people who are good at things, you never even notice that they're doing them. I hope this helps, and I hope this message gets to you as I broadcast from deep inside the filter bubble.